0: Welcome to Roguecast, the official podcast of Rogue's Gallery. We'll talk comics for the week as well as whatever news is on our pop cultural radar. I'm Randy. I'm Nick. This is Dave. And now, on with the show. Episode 406 of the Roguecast, recorded February 28th, 2023. Inside of you are two moon wolves. All right, so uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be having like a little movie check in today. We had a little mini mini movie marathon yeah. this week. It's
1: not all stuff that just came out like the last week. It's like stuff from the last year. Yeah, although. Uh Couple things last couple months. Like, yeah, uh, well, we'll say, we, we, we can say what some of are. we're going to talk about. Uh, Randy, you were going to check in on the uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent, yep. the crazy Nick Cage thing yep. as himself. Yeah. Uh, well, what else do we got? And uh, knock at the cabin, right? We'll watch Knock at right. the Cabin. Shy Mullen. People have opinions on Shy Mullen. They we can. have opinions. And I think for the next couple weeks, I'm going to try to catch up on the Academy Award movies. Uh, specifically, I know Babylon and uh, Tar. Tar, but yep. today I'll be talking about Fablemans. Yep. Yep. And yep. Then Dave, you're going to talk about Fall. Right, oh, well, uh, which is which is a movie from from re- recent movie. But Nick, was it like director streaming? No, no, it, it had a theatrical release. Oh, okay. I, it was one of those
0: like that just went under my radar. Yeah. But um, was... but yeah, we have some things to say. Yeah, uh, we got uh, several new games in this week. Uh, we got a series of Batman Dragon Shields. If you have mm-hmm. the, the Dragon Shields are the fancy card sleeves. Yeah, they're, they're
1: they're like the upper echelon. Some of the upper echelon card sleeves, and the, these have really cool art that. We, we didn't know if they were from existing Batman covers, but they looked like good Batman variant covers. They feel
0: like the sort of art germ covers. There's a, yeah. there's a Batman, a Batgirl, a Catwoman, a Joker, Joker. and um, that, there's one more. I
1: thought it was just Maybe four. that's it.
0: That's it. Yeah. Anyway, they're good looking. Yeah, they're nice. Uh, we have the newest Marvel champions, Gambit and Rogue. Yep. Uh, Gambit has Belladonna as his uh, nemesis, and Rogue has Mystique. It's pretty good. Pretty Did cool. they keep
1: that, he was, that she was Gambit's ex-wife or
0: wife? Or... I think she'd been both.
1: Are you asking if the game keeps that? No, I just. Oh, in the comics. Uh, interestingly, by the way, I, although there's generally not synergy between board games and comics, there is a Gambit and Rogue comic this week. There is, so there is some kind of some kind of synergy happened, whether they meant it or not. Gambit Rogue were in the air.
0: And uh, it's it. Yes, Steek is Rogue's nemesis. Steek is Rogue's nemesis. She's her mom and nemesis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and uh, our, and and uh, Belladonna is Gambit's ex-wife and nemesis, which all this all tracks. Yeah, it all tracks. It works. Uh, we got the expansion for Seven Wonders called Edifice, which lets you build extra buildings. You can use it with Seven Wonders, uh, the main game, and I think with Duel. I'm not positive about that. It's good if you have an um, Edifice complex. It is. <laughs> Um, we got <laughs> yeah. we got stacking stuff, which is uh, a new version of Patchwork, the sort of quilt building oh, game. Oh yeah. yeah, From this, it's like U.A. Rosenberg, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's a two player game. They do have a variety. There's a Valentine's Day one. There's a Halloween theme one. And they're all basically sort of the same Tetra-C type game. This one is a moving truck where you're trying to stack the all the all the stuff in. Uh, it's kind of fun. That guy knows how to make games. He does. Um, we got this has been out a little while, Kickstarter wise, but just a distribution. The Hellboy RPG. Yep, if you want to play Hellboy or the BPRD. Um, and there's also a DICE game. What system does the, the, the Hellboy thing use? Uh, well, it's the Hell system.
1: Okay. <laughs> that's, that's all I needed to know. That's all you had to say. <laughs> um, Shirts on D20 system, I'll tell you that.
0: There's a, um, there's a new game from uh, AEG, which they do pretty good games. They, they've done like wormholes, and some of those, those games were really good, called Rolling Heights. Okay. Which I believe is a like city building type game with uh, with dice. Uh, I have not checked it out just yet, but it looks really cool. It's one of the big releases. We got in the Hunt a Killer boxes. I don't know if you guys have ever done Hunt a Killer. I, I did. Something similar. P- right? Something similar or a, a version
1: of the same one that was the mail order ones where you get a thing every like week.
0: Yeah, that's what Hunt a Killer was like. That I, I did this once. It, it, you basically you got it. And once once a month or, you know, you can. You it's like speak. you get clues
1: as if somebody was sending you some documents yeah, from, like, yeah. a mystery yeah. and you got to start piecing it together. And it
0: kind of feels real. It's, yeah. That's what's well, fun about yours it. Yours was like a weird serial killer sending you stuff from prison. Mine, we were, like, we were amateur detectives working for a friend's detective agency and then we were, like, looking into an old uh, cold case from, like, 1920s.
1: Well, I mean, like, this, the, the one that, that I did wasn't, I didn't think it was that weird. I think, I thought it was a cool premise. The idea was that you were part of a prison pen pal program to help kind of rehabilitate prisoners, Mm -hmm. but that there were like some coded messages coming out that might have to do with another, like a killing that wasn't from the guy you're talking to, but somebody else, like he knew something about it. He had, he had been an inmate with the other guy or something. Uh, and so you gotta, you start figuring it out. That one had a lot of props and stuff that I remember. That is one of the things they do. One of the props, at least in that one, was a pen uh which when you unscrew it and open it up is a shiv it's like a prison oh. shiv <laughs> i was like oh okay these guys do some fun stuff so anyway i don't know what their
0: how they do it as a as a boxed game kind of thing but so yeah so, so what this is is basically boxing up 6 6 weeks of adventure into yeah. one thing okay and uh the one we've got one of the ones we've got is like Nancy Drew themed yep uh we got three different ones uh, i feel least, like any of those by the way could be good couples games so. yeah yeah well i mean i i really enjoyed the, the hunt to kill the that, that, that we did that had like um, it was like an old theater. there was a, there was a theater that was being sold and they had found a skeleton and they were trying to figure out what happened. And mm-hmm. So you're doing this like, investigation of a cold case from like 1920s. You know what happened is they, uh, they said Macbeth inside the theater oh, no. <laughs> and became a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got a new game called Dice Manor. that is another you're sort of like you're building plans, that kind of thing you're trying to, uh, to it's a dice drafting game. Uh, a game called Eleven Football Manager that I've been looking for. There's 11 men on the field of, in a soccer game. Okay, that's what that is. And this is a... It's by the guys who do, like, Detective. It's, like, that publisher. Yeah. Uh, you are you are basically running... A, it's, it's a simulation where you're running a football club, and it's, like... includes not just, like, putting the people on the field and how the games go, but, like, the budgeting and the money ball aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is, like, FIFA... Yeah. Uh, for the PS4 or whatever. FIFA but, Simulator. Yeah, yeah, FIFA Simulator. Yeah. Uh, the... It looks fun. I've been kind of keeping an eye on this. So I want to try this out because it's a moment to last so love. Uh, but, How uh, very European of you. Yes. A football. Uh, <laughs> we got an Indie Press restock. Yep. And we got a, a couple new games on there. The, Including uh, restocks, by the way, of a lot of those solo games yep. that have been yep. super popular. One of which is the uh, the Broken Cask, which is a, a solo journaling game of you running a, a an inn. yeah.
1: It's it's got um I you know, I think it may be a little less journaling than some of the others, but it it definitely has like like Sims esque management of your of your inn, and you've got to be like, oh, uh, I've got, uh, you know, I've got an orc and an elf and a so and so, and I'm like, who am I going to assign to deal with the customers? Who am I going to assign to be the bouncer? Who am I going to assign? And it's like you can't always like, oh, the orc should be the bouncer. Sometimes you have to like make decisions like, oh, but it's all I've got, so he's going to have to be the waiter, and what's going to happen? And uh, it feels like there's like choose your own adventure elements to <laughs> it, uh, too, and like a slightly Sims esque, you know, um, play uh, play on it. Anyway. I haven't i picked up I picked up one of the spooky ones but I haven't done that one uh and it well, sounds reason I they mentioned all sound that, fun. The reason I
0: mentioned that one specifically is because we also got the sequel to that one that's yep. new, the uh Broken Cask Society, which is uh, a multiplayer version where you're all running like an in kind of thing. Yeah, uh,
1: a lot of these are super fun. I've been, you know, one of the rewarding things is we went from like kind of selling no indie games when we started mm-hmm. um you know, we had we've always kind of a broad selection of I'd say mainstream games, but it took a little while to start delving into the indie games, and I think stuff like Fiasco
0: were kind of early breakouts. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Fiasco, actually. Jason Morningstar, the designer of that, has another game that came out this week, uh, which was called uh, Cowboys with Big Hearts. Okay, and had a very yes. specific. I read you guys this. Remember when it came yep. in? Is that it's very specific? You are all like cowboys who are dying. And you're going, you're on your on your last ride. You're taking out these people who have done something terrible. That's kind of like, I mean, he has done sometimes
1: very specific uh, mm-hmm. indie RPGs, like the Night Witches one, mm-hmm. which I actually don't. I never got a chance to like look and see how that functions. But the Night Witches were a famous uh, squadron of Russian pilot women mm-hmm. in World War One. Uh, that, like, attacked with these, like, I think, glider-type uh, planes yeah. and would do, like, these kind of uh, brutal night strikes and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how you make that into a game, but I kind of like... I mean, that's what's kind of fun about so many of these indie games, whether it's the one where you're skeletons in a dungeon trying to unearth the secret of how you got there mm-hmm. uh, to running, a, like, a, an inn. There's, like, so many weird ones. To the, of course, the Raccoon Pirates. And Raccoon Pirates. Or Pirates, I'm sorry. and And Thousand-Year-Old Vampires. Thousand-Year-Old Vampire, yeah. That, that, that's a neat one because like uh, that's one of those solo ones it's a journaling thing where all the pages are like prompts it's like it would be like you know something da- you know you're, you're supposed to be this vampire who's literally lived, lived a thousand years but mm-hmm. you can kind of choose your path by writing it out and doing this creative exercise so there will be like you know, something happened to you during the Revolutionary War that uh, changed you forever. Uh, what was it, and you know, why do you still remember it? And so, you got a page to journal about that. Yeah, it's it's cool for you know, like those are particularly cool for. I think if you've got the creative gene, the writer gene, um,
0: um and, but yeah, uh, Morning Stars One sounds fun. Yeah, we like. I mean, we really like the Indie Press uh, section that's beefed up for us. We order a lot more frequently. Yep. We all uh, we can all recommend stuff out of there. So, mm-hmm. if you're looking for some other games. They're out there. Yeah, get your raccoon on. Get your raccoon on. Um, all right, let's talk about comics of the week. This is the week of March 1st. It is the first, uh, first week of the month, and lots of new number ones this Yeah, week. yeah, it's a solid week for me. I at least, yeah, I thought it was. So Marvel, in particular, has a lot of number ones this week. Um, there is a new Rogan Gambit series where uh, Destiny comes to them in New Orleans and basically <laughs> tasks them with a job from... Krakoa? or is it krakoa related? It is. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember what she thought. Oh, well,
1: you know what I liked about this? It had. Uh, is is this guy the son of the 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 dude from the Outback? The who was Katella? Oh his yeah, yeah. Manifold. Uh, it was a Jonathan Eggman creation. Yeah, yep, uh, yep. But he is like the grandson, I believe.
0: Yeah, okay, G- Gateway's grandson.
1: Yeah, they there is something related to him, and they they um, they go to to talk to him. And they're they're not on the outs, but you know, like Rogue and Gambit are always like kind of a little. They're a feisty couple. They have ups and downs, and when they get out there, he's like, uh, he's like, I kind of need help on some a mission I'm doing, and I think it's one of those where they're like, he's like, I'll help you, but you got to help me, uh, or Rogue kind of talks him into that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Gambit's like living hard on the streets of New Orleans. He's like drinking and getting fights. Uh, he is, although it's it's fights with the thieves guild. You know, he's, sure. he's on the outs. Uh, I would like just like so to why recommend would you go back to New Orleans if you know you're gonna. I mean, that, that's because that's New like Orleans the... is a great place. It's a great
0: city. I mean, it, honestly, <laughs> if I had to go there, if I had to maybe fight the thieves guild to get beignets, yeah, I would do
1: it. <laughs> Good po' boy. Good po' boy. Yeah, yeah. Muffaletta um, yeah. The uh, uh, I'm going to say this uh, Randy, as you flip through it, yep. take note I believe Destiny's uh, sort of golden mask-like face yep. has never been better drawn than it was in this I know it's a weirdly specific thing to do, specific thing, but you're the, not wrong, it's the, cool the colorist captured the glint of gold and stuff on it, and the sort of the three-dimensionality Is
0: Destiny younger now? Because I remember her being, her being this buxom uh I think I think you're right. She's she probably I mean, she has. was regenerated. They recently. younged her up and now she's got cleavage. It's weird. She's an true. old lady. Uh she
1: was an old lady. She yeah. is an old lady at heart. It's very strange.
0: Um
1: just you know what? You can enjoy an older lady's beauty, don't don't, uh. Yeah,
0: no, i like, look, look,
1: Helen Mirren... Maybe she always had a great Destiny. rack. You don't know. I'm
0: just saying it's weird that her, her costume is all cleavage now.
1: I was trying to pay attention to the gold face mask, and Randy's like, check out Destiny's tits. Hey, look,
0: it's, they, <laughs> it's draw, they tits. draw your eye. I don't like it. It's very weird. Guilt <laughs> tits? Anyway. Really? What? what? I'm sorry. They, 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 uh, this podcast has already
1: gone off the rails, and we, Randy yeah. would like to apologize to you for his role in it. Um,
0: I apologize yeah. for nothing. <laughs> no, I apologize for nothing either
1: <laughs> anyway no, I liked the issue I thought it was fun to check in on this uh, them as a couple and yeah. I liked the artwork in it um,
0: them going on kind of a little bit of a mission together is I, I think a fun thing and it's uh, written by Stephanie Phillips who has another book this week she's doing the new Cosmic Ghost Rider which if you don't know this character is uh, a, uh, a, a resurrected Frank Castle who worked as the Herald of Lactus and saved baby Thanos well you forgot that he was Ghost Rider then he became the Herald of Pandas oh right he was, go- I didn't know he was Ghost Classic. Rider first I let, me,
1: let me quick back this up just a little bit he is like a some future or alternate universe iteration of Frank Castle yeah. like in other words the Frank Castle running around in the pages of regular Punisher is not Cosmic Ghost Rider correct right.
0: A future so version of A Frank future Castle. version
1: of him became this But he, he might
0: be, if the future is... The he biggest... might be, okay. Became if the, if the future...
1: and
0: then became... Randy, there's no fate but what we make. There's no fate but what we make. We might all be cosmic Ghost Riders. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Nick, did you read this one? Uh, I didn't get a chance. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, this is a big, crazy, wacky space adventure. Yep. Um, it's got art by, looks like maybe Juan Cabal, who I was like, um... And uh, Punisher, being Ghost Rider, being the Herald of Galactus, is suitably badass. Yeah. Um, There's a new series, a miniseries, a new format that Marvel keeps doing, they did with uh, Murder World, called Unforgiven. This is uh, written by Tim Seeley, and the first one that comes out this week is Spider-Man. And it is basically Spider-Man running across a group of sort of superhero vampires.
1: Right, it seems like, the, the vibe I got is that the Unforgiven crossover series... Is going to be about sort of like factions within like the vampire community, which is it's been a th- they're playing it up a bit right now. Blade's been doing more stuff, Dracula is back at Marvel, right. like you know, actual Dracula. Um, and there's like what well, there's like a vampire nation, yeah. Um, uh, so and we think Tim Seeley, is gonna he's, he's gonna have some book coming out of this. I think this is a test, test fight, okay? Like, a, see yeah. if the team kick
0: yeah, takes. Yeah.
1: Uh, catches but
0: on. uh the, the team is interesting. The notion of sort of the, each each vampire has a reason for being uh what you know, not a bloodsucker, they they're trying to be good heroic people. Yep. They run across Spidey. One of the things I really like that Tim Sealy did in this is Spidey talks about the whole time about he's like, I'm not a horror guy. He's like, I don't like scary stuff. Yeah. He's like, Yeah, I know spider, but spiders are a science thing, they exist. And <laughs> it was kind of a fun thing to be like, I get people find spiders creepy, but spiders spiders are real this is magic stuff. Is weird to me, and I was like, ah, that's kind of a fun take on Spider Man. I, I, I like you know we talked about this before. I like it when Spider Man
1: is only occasionally does a cosmic adventure and only occasionally does a horror adventure. Yep. Um, and so yes, it makes sense to me that a he would not be like a guy who's comfortable around magic, and b uh, he doesn't seem like a guy who'd be a horror movie guy. I don't. Yeah. I don't well, think that considering of him. half of his rogues galleries are horrific creatures that attack him. No, they're funny animal men. <laughs> the lizard is not funny. Yeah, but he's not like. Spiderman is not funny. I don't Vermin's think of them all funny. like like the. But those those um, only the lizard, you, you, the Man's big foes are the guys who are in the Sinister Six, and they're like lizard might get in there sometimes, but uh, most of them it's like Doc Ock and Craven. Just like he has some creepy villains. He, he does. They can't all be the given, but they're they're not that like you know. Um, he, I, the, he I've he read lots a of. Vampire. I've read lots of lizard stories that are not like horror stories. Right. He fights Morbius. I didn't say he's never fought anybody, Nick. <laughs> I said it's once in a blue moon. <laughs> Most of the time it's Doc Ock or Rhino or some other... just sure he just fought... Whack. It's a it's, it's a mandrill. Right. I'm sure he fought the... It's Grizzly. It's Gibbon. It's Grizzly <laughs> or Gibbon. Uh, grizzly or Gibbon or nothing. I'm sure he's fought a sounding wolf man somewhere. Or not a sounding wolf, but a wolf. I mean... is yeah, uh, man. wolf is a yeah. Yep. But not horror. <laughs> As he's me. just a weird moon wolf. <laughs>
0: You know, yep. Yep. like you do. Yep. Uh, also, we got uh, Spider Gwen shadow clones. I guess <laughs> inside you are two moon wolves. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think uh, the, the this is the thing that they've decided to do with Gwen. I think because of Spider Verse, is every time they do uh, Gwen, there's going to be a bunch of alternate Gwens. I liked this one, though. This is interesting. I mean, they're, they're also incorporating the cloning stuff, which is a big Spider-Man thing.
1: Yeah, I made the um, sign for this, and what I got from it, uh, only very cursory, was that she was fighting a lot of classic Spider-Man foes, like Kraven and Vulture and stuff like that, but they were somehow all crossed with her.
0: That's It'd be no, like I mean, Gwen Kraven. That's where they're going, but this one has one character. Okay. Yeah,
1: they were fi- they were fighting, something happens... And a new foe emerges yep, who sure. uh, has unleashed clones.
0: The one thing I always forget that in her world, like there's less superheroes and stuff. So like, oh. Ray Richards is a black teenager, okay, yep. and that like, she goes to him for like for like help, and he's basically like, "What are you what are you doing? I got tests."
1: Yeah, that's so. right. Well, they they when they were doing when Spider Gwen was just starting, it was it was very much its own world that was fairly different, like. Not just in like a few little tweaks here and yeah. there from the Marvel Universe,
0: but it was like kind of a, a different vibe to well, this it. This also has MJ as her best friend. The, yeah, they, do they, they, have they a sell band. The band? Well, yeah, but she's not in it because she only doesn't have time. Everybody seems to know she's she's Spider yeah. Gwen, and I kind of liked that as kind of a different. <laughs> like her dad knows, Mary Jane knows, her random lab partner seem to know her. Uh, maybe it's because her name is yeah. Maybe it's because
1: her name is Spider Gwen. Uh, no, they call her Ghost Spider. No,
0: yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it is funny
1: though that uh, like amongst fandom, I believe she was always going to be Spider-Gwen. Yeah, nobody's going to
0: call her Ghost-Spider. She's going to be called Spider-Gwen. And by the
1: way, Ghost-Spider is a good name, but because Spider-Gwen was the first one, that's going to stick. Except for
0: my niece, who calls her Ghost-Spider, because that's the only thing she's known. Well, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, maybe maybe they'll grow. Anyway, yeah, this is kind of a fun. It is weird to me that Spider-Gwen, they've decided to go a direction where she's all about multiverse travel, like she's always going to our universe and that kind of thing. But it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a fun book I'm I'm curious to see where it goes Uh, there is a spinoff from Amazing Spider-Man called Hallow's Eve, a new character that popped up in Dark
1: Web kind of an anti-hero. Yeah. And she's got super, a cool supernatural power set which I only just learned about reading this.
0: I think she's flat out a villain. I mean, she's basically stealing crap.
1: I mean, that's true, but she like, she did t- not, she totally did not begin that way. She was just the girlfriend
0: of uh, Ben, ben Riley, Riley, But she was who, a felon. that's like that's why she got, she got uh, beyond, they got her out of jail as a favor to him. Like she's oh, always a That doesn't mean she's evil. I, no, she's, she's not evil, she's a thief. I don't know if you're familiar with our incarceration
1: system. Okay, right? <laughs> no, but um, I think Black uh, Hat so is a
0: bigger thief than she. Black <laughs> has, I think. Well, Black Hat's a more successful. Thief.
1: <laughs> no, I didn't know. I didn't know the prison thing. Uh, I'm, I'm going based on just the little, some quick uh, write, stuff I read to do the write-up. You
0: should uh, Really know the history of these felons, Dave. They're out there They're <laughs> causing trouble. Uh, I, so this is going to be kind of a law and order. Yeah, uh, putting on Halloween shop. masks. Robin <laughs> Banks is werewolves. So they all do
1: it. She, um, uh, she got powers in uh, the magical dimension of Limbo during the Dark Web thing. Yep, from it was Briar. kind of like she made a deal with the devil, but it was, I gather, to kind of try and protect her uh, bf, um, uh, Ben Riley. Ben Riley. Yeah, she I'm needed. She needed BR. some powers to. Um, what's that? Her br. <laughs> yes. It's now called Chasm. Uh, is that his thing well, that's for thing. now? Sure. But so so here's <laughs> the thing. She's got this. Is it like a bag of masks? She's got a bag of magical masks. The way somebody, uh, one of our staffers, put it to me was that it's like the masks in Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. But if you That's put just them on, they knew how to
0: talk to you, Dave. <laughs> if they
1: put them, you put them on uh, instead of your face melting like in that. You get the powers of whatever the mask is, which right. is a neat power. She's it just, is like it's
0: a really cool idea. She's just like three or four of them, and there's like there's one that is like the, the model mask that makes her look like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, she Monroe. puts on like a Marilyn Monroe, Monroe mask to kind of th- do, be a little sort of a glam girl. The go- ghost mask that makes you intangible and invisible. The werewolf mask, which makes you a werewolf. Yep. Um, and I think the deal is like she doesn't even know how many masks there are in there. She like pulls one out and there's a there's a power. It's kind of like dial H for hero. But yeah, a little bit of a mask for all seasons. Yeah. Um, I like, this is a good follow to, I really liked Amazing Spider-Man Beyond even though I, the ending kind of made me mad because the way they like basically vilified Ben Riley. Yeah. This was she was a fun part of that, and they're using uh, uh, Maxine Danger, who's like the head of the Beyond Corporation, as sort of a uh, corrupt uh, woman in power. I can't help but see like a Warren Ellis character when I look at that character. But she's she's a good she's a good foil for her. Uh, She she represents sort of white uh, white hat not white hat uh, white collar corruption. Yeah, yeah. Whereas whereas Janine, our lead, is sort of a blue collar criminal. Sure.
1: Also, really good character design. Yeah, I, I like yeah. the costume. Oh, the, the costume's costume's good, great. and the art was also good in that issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would say, like, even if like me, you were like very out of the loop on events, in Spider-Man. Yeah, this is kind of a this is a cool character to just check in on. Uh, yeah. You don't need to. Yeah.
0: You don't need to know all. You that can stuff.
1: jump in and get everything you yeah. need. Yep. this was
0: fun. I liked it. Yeah. Um, we got I am Iron Man. There's already an Invincible Iron Man book. This is a uh, a love letter from a couple creators who uh, are new to Marvel who wanted to do a. Basically, an, an Iron Man story. It's
1: like a celebration of sixty years of Iron Man.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's a limited series, and it takes place in the past, present, and future of Iron Man. Um, it's got sort of painty-looking, abstract-looking art. I think. Um, I not look at as it. a it like Andy Granov kind of stuff. A little bit, yeah. It's it's got yeah. It's it's not quite photoreal. It's more of like, it it definitely has a different it's a, has a specific look to it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, if you're looking for some more Iron Man, there's more Iron Man. Um, over at DC, this week we got a reprint of Action Comics 1051, which is the start of the uh, Action Comics um, new the, What are they, they called? Like, uh, DC. Yeah, yeah, Dawn of
1: DC, their new direction. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of, if you want to think about it in the Superman books, this is like the Superman family era. Yeah. And uh, so this is the second issue, uh diving more into that. And um definitely like all of these are playing up the family aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Not only is like when you see his family life, he is at home and he's got uh Lois there, there's their two adopted kids from War World. Yep. Um and there's John. like uh they were like there's other people who are like walking in and out all the time. And also uh, John. Uh yeah. The yeah, John, yeah, yeah yes. John's there. But, like, uh, Connor. Connor Kent was recovering there. He got... This opens with him beat the hell up because Metallo is uh, at a heightened charge. level of power. And uh, Metallo is kicking ass. And um, this, this scene, by the way, th- th- you know, I, I had a little storytelling trouble once or twice in this. But, Nick, this thing where he kind of, like, I was showing this to Randy, where he sort of takes him out. And he's like pushing Metallo into space and he does the super cold breath and then he like flings his ass into orbit. Yep. I was like, man, that is a hard ass Superman thing. Yeah. Like he wasn't being a like it wasn't edgy super edge lord superman. No, but he recognized it was just the like, threat and he used the appropriate amount of force. That is to like get <laughs> when you push Superman far enough and he's just like, Oh, it's it's on. It's on. <laughs> uh, that was the great sequence of that. I think this is also just a good reminder of how how good the Superman supporting cast is. Yeah. I loved seeing uh, uh, Steel and yep. his daughter. Uh, he gets to be kind of cool. He's yep. got some fun moments. Yeah, you mentioned the fun scene where they're like, they wonder if Luther did, uh, you know, like made a particular attack on Steelworks, his, 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 his like lab thing. Yeah. Uh, because it was a taller building than Luther's, which sounds like exactly the kind of measuring contest <laughs> yes. Luther would be into. Um, but I love that Supergirl is there. Uh, I, I they're playing up, like, you know, it has... Uh, they're not quite as immediately distinct as, like, say, when you see the Bat Family. No! Um, part of it is because they're, like, dressed in plain clothes, and the, half the time the Bat Family is in some kind of their costume. I will say the Superman Family is kind of a mishmash, because they, they all bear the Superman logo.
0: But there's a clone, <laughs> there's, there's aliens from Warworld. There's weird things. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, the weirdest thing in the Bat Family is one came back from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but they are, they are sort of building it up like that, and uh, I think they're, its a good cast.
0: Yeah, it is. I, yeah. I and I like all the costumes. You know, I like when they see, when you see like the cover has them all assembled. Yep, and it's and, cool looking. And I think the thread is interesting because i, I has never been my favorite,
1: but there's an intrigue going on in this one, and he is somewhat sympathetic. Yeah, because he's got ties to his sister. They both seem like they came from tough circumstances, and they're kind of the story is somewhat juxtaposing their kind of broken family with Superman's stronger family. Yep. But he's like trying to in a way build up his own but it's, you know, kind of a, built out of toxicity. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and yet, there is some sympathy for him, and there's some intrigues that like Superman is like. I, I like when Superman's smart; I always like that. Yeah, and he already figured out it's like, oh, we we think he's in communications with Luther, and then Superman's like, no, he's like, I did some looking into it, and it's you know, uh, the voice he's hearing is not Luther, and I'm like, oh, this is this is a pretty good little some intrigues going on. And I like that. There's a little bit of synergy between the two books. They feel of a piece of uh, yeah. Superman and yeah. Action Comics. Feel like the same characters, even yeah. though they're written sure, to sure, different for people. Sure. Um, it's, I think it's, it's generally speaking a pretty good era for Superman, and yeah, it's been a yeah. little bit since I've I've felt that way. In, yeah, so. yeah for
0: sure. Uh, there's a new DC Ruby, uh, the the manga that's an animation from uh, Rooster, Teeth. Uh, Rooster Teeth. Yeah, there's a, that's always the Justice League Ruby was a big was a big hit. This I believe is Marguerite Bennett returning for another go at it with more characters. Um, yeah, it occurred to
1: me that uh, Margaret Bennett, she did the uh, the bombshells thing years ago. Yeah, yep. and uh, so this is kind of another opportunity to play around with an alternate universe, the alternate universe where D- the DC DC mixes with this anime. Um, I don't believe any of us have ever seen it. Nope. Uh, I don't know how it works. Nope. But, um, but uh, like, you know, we, we pretty regularly sell the graphic novels of the previous crossovers they've done, so it seems like people are enjoying it. Like, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to say that the Ruby fans may have, can can kind of vouch for the fact that it's at least pretty solid, or, or we'd, we'd hear them yelling
0: at us. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. <laughs> uh, and then we got uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is a one-shot tying into the upcoming movie. Uh, largely written by the cast of the movie like they're writing their own characters I think yeah. right i think basically all every character that can turn into a Shazam type person
1: gets a story so yeah. it's a, if you, if you like that the Shazam mythology that you know either either from the movies or the Jeff Johns comics that inspired it right you you you
0: might well enjoy this um on the indie side of things, we got a, uh, a, a hardcover graphic novel called Haunthology. Yep. This is by uh, Jeremy Hahn, who was the guy who did the beauty, among other things. Right. That was, you know, the, the image comic
1: that's the, uh, what would you say, kind of a look conspiracy at...
0: Conspiracy horror, a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, and it is, it is based in, the, I forget what the actual product was, but it was based in, like, the cosmetics industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, this is, a, from what I understand, a collection of short stories from him. Yep. Uh, that I think were kind of written during the pandemic and may even, I haven't read any of them yet, but uh, may even key off of some of the paranoias and fears of the era.
0: Right. It's a really, really pretty book. Uh, Since we got it Kickstarter, it comes with like a bookmark and a bookplate and a little pen. Yep. Uh, If you like sort of black-and-white horror, this is definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's some pretty elaborate artwork, too. Uh, Then we've got Skull and Bones, Savage Storm, which is a Dark Horse book based on an Ubisoft game, which I guess Dave, you said. Ubisoft, of course, did a bunch of Assassin's Creed. This was right. not their pirate Assassin's Creed. This is a separate pirate game.
1: Right, but I believe some of the development team from that pirate game, which was... I, I've actually been playing it lately. I got it a lot of the super cheap, because uh, it's, like, well over a decade old. Uh, it, um... Uh, th- they did a really good job with it, and so I'm like, oh, if they've got a dedicated pirate game from a lot of that same team... A, I'll check out the pirate game when it comes out. Or what's what's the title of this again? It's Skull and Bones Savage Storm. Okay, so Skull and Bones must be the game itself, um, and this is like a side story to it. I, I don't know how closely this relates to the game, uh, Randy. When I, I think you might have read it when I was making the sign. They made it sound like a ship that's under attack by pirates gets crashed onto an island in a storm, and I guess you've got both the people who are the who are on the ship and the pirates cut, stuck on an island together and right. I don't know. I guess they fight or don't or yeah. whatever.
0: Uh, it's interesting. And I, I the uh, there's uh, some going between the uh, one of the lead characters is like uh, is wanting to wanting out of, the, of all this, and one of them is basically a like uh, there's a there's a pirate captain called John Skurlock. Okay. He's seems to be one of their scary blackbeardy type guys. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of fun. Uh, it's very it's very piratey. I, I did watch the
1: trailer for the game when I was making the sign for it, and I was like, oh, it looks kind of cool. So yeah, uh, honestly, though, I, I do think that you know, it sounds like something you could probably read if you're just like, I wouldn't mind
0: reading a pirate comic. Yeah, uh, this this might be a pretty decent one. Uh, there's a new image book from Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Walta that is about a trucker on a long haul who uh, basically runs, about, runs with runs into someone else. And they start hallucinating, it seems like they may have crossed to a different reality. Yeah. Uh, it's very Jeff Lemire, it's very creepy and, and dark. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I and character driven, I liked it quite a bit.
1: They, uh, the actual thing where he's like in the other reality. Yeah. And that thing comes shambling up to him. Yeah. That was a good scene. He some good creepy stuff in there. Uh, uh, but I also like, you know, Jeff Lemire lets his artist breathe always. What, and so what are other people
0: doing to their artists? They are suffocating
1: them with text.
0: Oh, okay. Um, just with text, so that's good. That's, yeah. They're not burying artists alive or anything.
1: Um, but yeah, this opening sequence where you just kind of see him a little bit on one of a drive, and then there, there's kind of, it slows down and the art breathes in the yeah. scene where he goes into a truck stop, and you know, he's kind of bantering a little bit with the waitress, uh, not in a creepy way, and, um... Uh, talking with a guy outside who's trying who's selling drugs, and I'm like, "Yep, this is Jeff Lemire's. Yeah. He his he always has at least a one foot in kind of like a little bit of the seedier side of life, yep. aka just reality. Um, and then he goes to unreality. Yeah. Um, anyway, but it's a it's a good start.
0: I think it's yeah. I think it's one of the better starts to his stuff that I've seen in a bit. I agree. Uh, and then for me, I uh, I read the Spider Man number six, which is the part I think the penultimate part of uh, Dan Slott's. End of the Spider Verse story. Oh yeah, uh, which I'm actually really enjoying. Um, I didn't realize seven issues going to be it, but I guess the next issue will be the end of it. Okay. And then uh, second issue of Kyle Starks, uh, "Where Monsters Lie," about a uh, an FBI agent who's tracking down a bunch of serial killers who now all live together in some kind of retirement community. <laughs> yes, uh, it's it's kind of fun. Uh, anything else for y'all's lists?
1: I don't think no. so. Were there any trades or anything that we needed to mention? Uh, Nothing particular,
0: no. Yeah, you mentioned ontology. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and talk about some news and some movies. All right, so we, uh, we have some trailers, but before we talk about that. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of news. Okay. Um, John Hickman and Brian Hitch have announced that they are doing Ultimate Invasion. A return to the Ultimate Universe from I th- Marvel. I thought the Ultimate Universe was like destroyed, destroyed. Man, I mean, you I know,
1: don't think so. You know Hickman does that crazy big science fiction, other earths, other realities yeah. thing... I will say this, I'm not a Hickman fan, but if anybody can figure out a way to sort of make that work, I would imagine he can have some, he had some ideas. The thing
0: is, I, and Hitch is the guy, I mean Hitch did the Ultimates, so yep. it makes sense, I just, this, the, the cover has like our, it seems like it's Ultimate Universe invading our universe, and I feel like that is nobody's, that's, that's in nobody's best interest, like, just yeah. make the Ultimate Universe its own thing. Bob's gonna eat a person again. It was and it's most
1: interesting, yeah, just when it was another Marvel Universe going that had like their a list most A list talent at the time. And and that was just like going in different directions. You'd be reading X Men and you'd be like, Oh, it's not you know, this Sentinel story is not gonna necessarily end the way I assume every Sentinel story will yeah. end. Characters might die who otherwise wouldn't.
0: Yeah, it's possible Spider Man will go on a five minute fatphobic uh rant at the Kingpin.
1: I mean that was pretty funny. That was though. pretty funny. Um, <laughs> the one big the biggest thing that the Ultimate Universe ultimately gave us was Miles Morales.
0: Yeah. Um But I notice in the cover it shows um the architect, these sort of evil Reed Richards that uh, Hickman introduced in his in his run. Yep, that guy loves the multiverse in a way that I don't, and I love the multiverse. Yeah, but I, I I kind of hate the way Hickman does it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: because he did Secret Wars too. It was like the folding together all the all the worlds together. So I like the idea of, and then he dropped the ball at the end. I felt like uh, is are any of us.
1: Looking forward to this, Nick. Are you as you've sometimes liked Hickman? You've sometimes yeah, really liked Hickman. I have. Are are you are you interested to see the Ultimate Universe revisit or not? Uh, maybe. Do you I've... see a circumstance where it works? Sure. See, because I feel like most of my interest in it was like from the earlier days when it was like Ultimate Spider-Man and yeah. Ultimate X-Men yeah. and stuff like that, and I did like some of those things. Um, but I don't know if I want to see some version wherein. Any of those characters are like it's just an invasion story, but with yeah, them doing I, it. I don't. I don't think really I want to see it. Now that said, I don't. You know, I know Hickman's not going to just do an invasion story. Like there's going to be at least some deeper thing to it. I may not be interested in that thing. Yeah. It won't be. I know it. <laughs> but I know that there will be more to it than they're just attacking. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, so I'm watching you, Hickman. <laughs>
0: um, Hickman. <laughs> um. Warner Brothers announced they're going to be doing new Lord of the Rings movies, which I think everyone was like, "That's a bad idea." Yep. But then they they have not clarified. It seems like everybody who's like later has gone and said like, "Hey, wait, no, they didn't say they're going to remake the movies." That oh yeah,
1: like, I never got I, I never understood it to be <coughs> a remake. No, Just,
0: yeah, that'd be terrible.
1: But yeah, those like, are those movies are too beloved hit us up again in like 20-30 years this, when when the generation or two has died. is a studio seeing that another studio has made a Lord of the Rings property and it's being uh, profitable and amazing and getting uh, good you know Press. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're uh, talking about the... Uh, Lord, uh, Rings of power. Rings of power. And they're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We can, we can do this too. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're like, like, finally... Uh, well, I've already seen some funny mock-ups. <laughs> the one you sent last night one was, was uh, One was a movie based on... Mm-hmm. Uh, like a poster for the uh, battering ram of the orcs. Grand the orcs, yeah. Grond the battering ram. <laughs> and then uh, t- t- today I saw... Or one of our st- uh, ex-staffers sent us a... One, that uh, purported to show James Corden playing uh, in, in the movie Bombadil, <laughs> uh, based on uh, always cut character Tom Bombadil in musical extravaganza yes. featuring Tom Bombadil. Now, who knows? You know, like yes, there's there's places where you can fill out the story, you yeah. can take it from Tolkien's note, Tolkien's notes, or you can just make shit up and kind of like seed it in his universe. But uh, like. Rings of Power was the first test of that, and yeah. Rings of Power has not been without its detractors. No, some people hate it. Like, we all liked it. Yeah, yeah. we all liked it. Um, and, um, uh, but I'm like, I want to see that. I want that to be the Middle Earth story for a while. I don't. Yeah. I don't want spinoffs of even that. I don't want characters who are in that to to get a spinoff. I don't want a Gollum TV show. I don't want a Shell Up TV show. Uh, I don't want a the adventures, the married life of Sam and uh, who's who he, Mary? Rosie. Rosie. I don't, know. Uh, I don't want the, the, their their married life sitcom. I can't actually think of any Lord of the Rings stories that I really want to see right now, um, other than to can see how Rings of
0: Power plays out. Let me out. give you this Radagast the Brown on a stand up tour throughout Middle Earth. Uh, do, just do, doing shrooms. Doing shrooms and doing, doing stand up. And doing stand up. What yeah. if they did the Sumerillion? They don't have the rights to it, they can't do it. No, the Rings of Power people don't no, have the rights. New Line doesn't either. Oh, really? In the announcements I've seen, they don't... Nobody has the rights to Simmerlin, which is weird because I'm like... Like, doing a story of the early elves, like, yes, yeah, Simerlin is famously boring, but you could translate that into a yeah. story that is something that we haven't
1: seen That one before. I could well, see. if somehow they had the... Uh, got the rights to that, if like, if they... Because, yeah. you know, even some of this, the... what do you call it? Rings of Power, I know, intentionally got special dispensation to sort of... A nod to it. Nod at it. They showed like the the trees and stuff like that, Um, but they don't have the actual story that they could. Yeah, they can't really start talking about the mythology. If they decided to do that, I could get behind that. That one is big enough that I could. It makes sense. Um, But I'm sure you know, like they were like you know originally Rings of Power. There was talk about it being a show about uh, like a young Aragorn, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe that's what they're gonna do. Who knows uh, what they're thinking about for these. I just know that even among the fandom, I think you know the Hobbit movies hurt us a lot. Uh, um, yeah, and <laughs> um, and you know I say this by the way as someone who likes a fair amount in those movies, especially the first one, but bits and pieces from all the rest of them. Um, but like it also it was a grind. And I've never seen two and three. Me neither. <sighs> and I slept through half of one. Um, I saw one. <laughs> I had my fill of one and stupid uh, antics of. I liked the first one but the dwarves going through and like, Escaping, like, was that in the first one? No, was I the, thought that, was the second that was in one. the second one. Yeah. No, no, that was in the first one. There I was think, there was a whole like. I oh, you're talking about the one on the river? Yeah. Yes, uh, not the one where they they fight Smaug. In no, this no, mountain. no. There was a whole other kind. Like, there's of... just so you know, there is a scene in in the Mountain Keep that they just completely invented. Where before, you know, the, the way it happens in the book is more or less they get to the Smaug's cave. Smaug gets uh, pissy, goes flying out and like attacks the city, and Bard kills him. Yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, in the movie, though, the dwarves have a massive, long chase for like a half an hour where they reactivate the forge, uh, start melting gold... Uh Wall Wall smog runs around and try and like snaps at them and like misses them a thousand times. Yeah, they essentially turn it into a video game. And then they like, yeah, it's absolutely, it's a video game cutscene with real time events, like, uh, <laughs> which yeah. which, are, which are itself as a dated reference. Anyway, they cover him with like molten gold, which he then shatters out of, and then he goes and he attacks the city. And they're like, next step, next movie is the attack on the city. Benedict Cumber Smog. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I honestly, I don't think... uh, The the very best I could say of this is, like, maybe they could pull it off. I
0: mean, here's the thing. I'm not the world's biggest Lord of the Rings fan, but it does seem to me like you can do sort of, like, D&D stories in the Lord of the Rings world. Like, there's plenty of stories to be told about elves and dwarves and adventurers and dragons. Right, it doesn't
1: even have to, like, be tied into something that Tolkien did. We know that there's a lot of invented story, like the the stuff with the Harfoots in in, uh, Rings Rings of Power. Power. While... Well, the Harfoots is something that Tolkien mentioned. All of those characters are all original; yeah. they're all they're all new characters, and their adventures are cool. And here's the uh, thing:
0: I think it's going to be divisive because you know we all liked Rings of Power. A lot of people, absolutely not just not just were disappointed; they absolutely hated it. Like they like this is a like on the level of people who hate the Justice League movies, like me. Yeah, like people hate Rings of Power. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: some of it was you know a lot some of its continuity stuff, sometimes it's classic racism. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. Uh, but I understand there's people who like it also just because they're just like they betrayed thematic elements in some of the things they changed. Yeah, yeah. um, or the Tolkien professor having a breakdown which still yeah. amuses me. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't But know. but he was like but you just to, to to clarify though, you say that but like he was like, he was enthusiastic like 80 90%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Yeah, I know, but he got to a certain point
0: and then it was, was like, like his
1: brain broke a little. Bit, yeah. I was like yeah. So yeah,
0: <laughs> I I think I my, my initial reaction to this was, oh, that's a terrible idea. It is. But then when I started thinking, okay, well, you have to, if they're not going to remake the movies, which they shouldn't, if they're going to tell more stories, there's no reason not to. I just don't know that I'm super interested. Yeah. I will say, I am hoping the D&D movie is good and successful enough that we can start getting... Like, you could do a and d movie every year of different characters, different settings. 100%. You
1: could
0: do more than one. Well, they had
1: already right? talked about doing a and d TV show on Paramount+. That'd be Plus. amazing.
0: I would love more D&D. Well, the, no, I mean, it's already, like, in production yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But I know there's been some changes that like, one D&D and also Hazard did some stupid stuff, so yeah. we'll see what happens. Uh, but we're, we're on the cusp of them. Like, there's no reason, and we've talked about this before, before the D&D movie coming out, d should be just like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It should be everywhere and popular. Like, there's no you, reason not to You know, here's be
1: like, the thing is they could even do, you know, the same way your sort of peak MC Marvel Universe does is like, sometimes it's big and epic. And yeah. I think like if you did the Drizzz stories, yeah. make them pretty big and epic. Don't lean too hard into yeah. the humor. That could be their Winter Soldier type stuff. Yep. But... I think a lot of – for a fair amount of it, you do want to kind of heightened sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be able to let the property have some fun with itself yep. and just feel like characters be fun. So yeah, like there's lots of stuff uh, that you could adapt that will be fun. So like there's all sorts of tones. You could do rogues. You could do a serious paladin story. You know, you could base it in certain specific settings. You could do Dragonlance, etc. They have uh, like millions and millions waiting before them if they hire good. I would say writers above yeah. all else.
0: I cannot tell you how much I would love to see Everon in live action. Yeah, yeah. I awesome. don't know that's going to happen. It's an
1: amazing setting really and at. so much artwork and stuff and such a delineated uh, setting the one thing that would kind of give me hope for that is honestly something like Last of Us mm-hmm. Last of you know uh, for, for, for decades and decades and decades video games have been the bastard stepchild of storytelling mm-hmm. uh, where the players like them they've been increasingly sophisticated no one who's done a movie has ever really done one justice no and it seems like... I know it's not a movie, it's a TV show. But uh, it seems like they're doing it justice on this one. Mm-hmm. And it might get people to think... It's like, in that same way, you'd be like, oh, D&D is a dumb role-playing game. Like, uh, it's not a story. But, uh, A, literally hundreds of D&D stories have been written. Novels, comics. Uh, and the stories that are told in the adventures, even though they're not all set in stone. There's tons of amazing source material that's out there. Yeah. So... They, if someone, if you got a serious director or some serious directors, if you got, I, I would say somebody who's like, uh, who's the guy who did Iron Man? John uh, Favreau. R- Favre. Yeah, a John Favreau type, or literally John Favreau. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy who could find, who could like
0: tell that Driss story or whatever one they they land on after. Hopefully, this first movie is good. Um, one last bit of news: Umbrella Academy is getting one more season at Netflix, and they just announced that the cast is going to include. Uh, married a couple of Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally, and also uh, David Cross. I don't know what roles they're all going to play, but I like all those people. That's a good; those are good casting choices, yeah. though. Uh, am I correct that they
1: are have covered the graphic novels and they're kind of on to new material? Or yes. So, so that's interesting. I, I I wish them well with it. I know that that's kind of risky, but it seems like um, because the the. Sh- you know, the sh- a show kind of necessarily develops on its own a mm-hmm. little bit, and some finds its own niche. Um, it, it seems like it
0: could work. Well, also, the show is is weird and weirder in some ways, but not as out there as the comics. The comics does things that you can do with a comic book budget that you can't do even with a Netflix budget, and right. And
1: it seems like they were able to get more of the kind of like a little more character nuance yeah. for
0: the show. Well, in particular. Uh, Elliot Page transitioning made a big difference. I think that, yeah. that changed the story arc and, and, and added some, some elements of the story. It's like so, a
1: great thing to run with.
0: Yeah. All right, trailers. There's, uh, there's three to talk about. Let's talk first about Sisu, which is about a Finnish commando, ex-commando, who is now a gold miner, who goes on a rampage against Nazis in the yeah. tail end of World War II.
1: Just to just to clarify on that title, which is not a common title, it's spelled S I S U. Yep. It's like a Finnish word that sounds it sounds like it's like like chutzpah or yeah, like yeah. guts. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, they they the the studio that made John Wick, and it's also being billed as what do they call it?
0: Uh the I Finnish
1: don't... John Wick or... Well Bill said
0: John Wick versus Nazis. John
1: Wick versus Nazis, yeah. yeah. Um, but a friend it, of mine pointed out that this he's like kind of posted dryly he's like he's like they're trying to make you forget who the finish sided with and (laughs) I was like that's maybe a fair point that is funny uh, as might be uh, but uh, but just what this looks like is a gory more over the top than John Wick
0: I honestly looks Tarantino esque yes the um, the vibe of it uh, as very as very sort of Tarantino's grindhouse and it's a
1: red band trailer with swearing and stuff in it (laughs) Basically, they're about a, to... He
0: throws a landmine at a guy.
1: He yeah. does. And they're about to execute him, and he takes, like, a big old, like, uh, like Bowie knife yep. and just puts it right through the Nazi's head. Yep. In a very satisfying mm-hmm. way. Everybody likes to see Nazis die. Yep. If you don't, there's something wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, you should, you should really enjoy Quite watching Nazis Nazi. die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um... It is. It looks like it is going to revel in the pain he inflicts upon yep. them, yep. in an actually weirdly, I would say, even more over the top way than um, what's John Tarantino's movie, *Inglorious Bastards*. Than *Inglorious Bastards*. Yeah, *Inglorious Bastards* had its very own very over the top style. Yeah, but this is more about like it. This is like an action movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is this. Uh, is Nick, great. does it look good to you? I'm a little. I mean. I like seeing Nazis get killed. Uh-huh. I like the uh, guy with his dog. But you're like, maybe the Nazis don't deserve it. Is that no, what you're no, saying? No,
0: I'm just, uh,
1: I'm don't just saying, uh, did this trailer show too much? Did um, it show? Is it, there more of a story other than what we've seen? Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Like it did. It is a trailer that showed a fair amount of like, you know, kind of like a lot of the kills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I kind of get how you might do that to get this otherwise an international film, yeah. which might not get recognition otherwise, that like you might have to overshare a little bit. Well, I mean, it's also uh, maybe a little bit of a violent night syndrome, where uh, I actually right. thought that trailer gave away everything, but
0: it didn't. But it didn't? I think that's uh, possible. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that is completely possible, but it is my fear. Yeah, yeah I get that. I, th- I think that's fair. Uh, We saw a trailer for a horror movie called Followers. Nick, you said,
1: who's making this? So this is, uh, I think, from the producers or or creators of uh, Anna and the Apocalypse. Now, I do love Anna and the Apocalypse. That's why, when I saw it, I was like, oh, we should watch it. I didn't watch it until we watched it just now. But Anna and the Apocalypse is such a singular thing, and I know we've talked about it, but for people who don't know... It is a musical that is set during a zombie apocalypse that also happens to occur around Christmas time, making it a weird crossover Christmas movie zombie musical. Right. Yes. Uh, it's really fun and has it, all the makings of a really good
0: cult movie. So this is interesting. This movie was made in 2021. Oh, really? I mean, so it's yeah. been sitting on a shelf for so a while. on a shelf. shelf. Uh, it is not is not rated particularly well at uh, IMDb. It in fact, has three point three with two hundred forty four ratings. Well, I mean, that's average. am wondering if this might be a foreign movie that just three point three out of, out of ten or 10. five. Oh, I thought out it was of five. 10. No, it was out of 10. that's
1: rough. Oh, that's yeah. rough. Looks rough. Well, so, we none of us, I think, were super into the trailer. It looked to be about what would you say? There's ghost hunting with a guy,
0: but a guy who was clearly staging it. The, uh, it says a struggling social media influencer discovers the house he shares is haunted. The ghost brings him and his friends fame and fortune, but with deadly consequences. Yeah. Yeah, this looks like a, I think this may be a, uh, a weird, like, foreign movie that just, like, made its way into, uh, into the, 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 your, your feed somewhere, Nick.
1: Oh, okay. You know, the original, uh, paranormal activity, uh, I thought, did an interesting job of having a person who was, like, the kind of a-hole uh, husband, the sort of toxic, or, or, like, I guess he was boyfriend uh, in it, was the one who was like, oh, no, this ghost is kind of neat. Oh, let's catch it on film. You know, that was sort of the reason why all the cameras and yeah. stuff in it. And and then, it like, of course, gets progressively creepier and creepier, uh, only... Almost right up until the end, this asshole is like, "No, it's really cool." Even when his wife is half going out of her mind. I say wife; it's his girlfriend. Um, But anyway, um, so I have seen some of those thematics done before. The oh, you know, somebody is like actually kind of into the haunting, um, uh, or very skeptical about it to the point of like
0: uh, not taking it seriously. So I can't, I can't find the link to uh, Anne and the Apocalypse here. I see produce, a producer who worked on Monsters. Oh, that, it was
1: in my feed. That's why okay, it
0: caught yeah. my... I don't know. Oh, one of the producers, Tracy Jarvis, also worked on Anne the Apocalypse um, and something called The Kindred. Uh, so it's not like the main people from Anne uh, of the apocalypse. Okay. Like, It's like someone who also worked on Anne the Apocalypse worked on this. Okay. But yes, uh, I think in general, based on the trailer and looking at it, as I look at it now, uh, we should say, I don't know if you want to watch this.
1: Well, it's at 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Huh. Okay. Those are, uh, those are, the, there's, uh, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes need to start a turf war then. <laughs> I don't know. I have a soft spot for found footage films. Uh. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't? No, I was joking. I was, that's, de- that's deadpan day. <laughs> yeah. I, I like a lot of found footage movies, um, but there's also a lot of bad ones. Uh, oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I would, it's the kind of, uh, one that, um, uh, I would watch 20 minutes of this movie to see if it grabbed me. Yeah. Because, but incidentally, a lot of found footage movies, uh, they do these sort of format, I, like, almost without an exception, and it almost always works for me. They open with a little bit of lightness, a little bit of humor, usually some scary stuff, but there's a bit of humor as people are – you're kind of, like, meeting the people – who are, for whatever reason are going to be filming something? Yep. Even Blair Witch had uh, some funny stuff in the opening. Oh, it had some hilarious stuff. In the uh, opening. Yeah, that little kid picking his nose. Them just being like waking up and like filming getting out of bed and they're just tired as hell. Yeah. Um. And um. Like like this is it's in almost all of them. If if you can win me over in that twenty minutes, I will go ahead and give you the movie. Uh. So we'll see. That that's that's their test. Yep. It, where where is this showing anyway? I don't know. I don't know either, uh, Nick. You want to look at what's it called? The followers. The followers. The followers. What else? Uh, what else we got? Okay, on the last the list thing to... we
0: want to talk about was the Fubar trailer. This is a, it's like a forty-second non-trailer on Nef- uh, for Netflix. Right. but a, the
1: main thing about it is that it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's TV show.
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger's de- debut on TV, and we looked around a little bit, and it is a, um, it was created by Nick Santora, who has done, um, he worked on Punisher. He did Punisher Warzone as a movie. Um, he has done a lot of TV. He did the most recent. He worked on Reacher. Uh, as yeah, and didn't producer. he have like a foot in Sopranos somewhere? He, his first work was writing for Sopranos. Okay. Uh, so that's on, better than Punisher Warzone. He worked on Prison Break, Lie to Me, Breakout Kings, Vegas, FBI, and his most recent thing was Reacher, which we all liked. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, the, the premise of this is that Luke, that is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and his daughter Emma. Played by Monica Barbaro, who was in uh, uh, Maverick. Right, right. She was one of the pilots in Maverick. Uh, they have lied to each other for years, both of them not knowing that the other is a CIA operative. So it's a it's a guy and his daughter who are both working for the CIA, but they don't know it. And Out of curiosity they, is he a single parent dad? Do we get that vibe? I, I, there's no mom listed, but I don't know. Okay, uh, it could be a, it could be separated. Could be a dead mom. I don't know.
1: I think that's like a solid hook for this kind it of thing. It sounds fun. Uh, it, it is definitely like in the ballpark of True Lies, yep. the you know uh, sort of hiding from it. Or uh, what was the what was the one that Angelina, Angelina Jillian and Brad Pitt? Mr. Mrs. Smith. Smith. Right, they were a couple that hid hid it from each yep, other, yes. right? Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. So um, yeah, it's got possibilities. Could also be derivative. Yep. But uh, you know, we like Arnold.
0: Oh, I think I think Schwarzenegger coming to TV is notable. I think. Uh um, Stallone came to TV and did Tulsa King, and he's great in it. Yeah, I feel like, uh, well, you know, I you know I don't exalt movies over TV. I actually love the genre or I love the medium, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think there is something to like a big old movie star coming to do TV that usually works out.
1: I'm shocked he's not on a Taylor Sheridan mm-hmm. show. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, he might be. He yeah. might. He might, after he might this. show up. Yeah. who
1: Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. yeah, you know me. I'm just uh, always lived in West Texas. I grew up here. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to keep the ranch alive <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not. hey it worked it worked for how <laughs> many years what are we talking about? His ability to be the everyman guy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> being <an> hilariously <laughs> so. It's very, like uh,
0: yeah, bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just a construction worker. I don't know anything about being a Martian. I mean, that ancient. was what
1: 20, 30 years. He did that yep. same yep. bit and it yep. worked. Yeah. <laughs> now that was like within a kind of heightened action movie genre. Yeah, true. Usually, true. Uh, the weirdest one to me was like uh, kind of uh, as he was getting a little bit out of that. And he did like what was that movie Maggie? Was that the name yeah, of it? The zombie, zombie movie. Thing. And he's like. Uh, I'm just a guy who's just a simple man living out on the, in a in a home on the edge of the city. I'm a farmer,
0: and I and I live tractors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this looks like fun, and it looks like he's having a. Uh, uh, they, they they referenced the "I'll be back." Yeah, like like it's clearly going to be Schwarzenegger having fun with this whole thing. So we'll see. Um, all right, let's take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about all the movies we watched. All right, so we're going to do a little movie catch-up here. Um, uh, first up is uh, "Knock at the Cabin," which I think we all we talked about the trailer way back when on the podcast.
1: Yep, we, we thought it, it was, had a particularly good trailer, it was a good teaser. When then then, uh, although we did not talk about this for the show, no, Randy, you and I when we saw separately saw some movie, we saw a trailer that showed a lot more than we wanted. Yes, and we're suddenly I was like, it, it made me not see it in the theater. Actually, it made me
0: decide, yeah, the same. I decided not to see it in the theater because the trailer. Gave away stuff I didn't want to know.
1: Yep. And then also, I was seeing sort of some, some lukewarm stuff. But I have come to determine Shyamalan is so divisive. Some people definitely go in ready to kind of hate the his criticism stuff. Criticism
0: almost doesn't work.
1: Right. Yeah. And um, and I have been an, at times an apologist for him. So, you know, I, I don't. I usually get, tend to give his movies a shot. You're his Lady in the Water. I hated Lady in the Water. <laughs> I, that and the happening are ones that I will not defend. But just about all the others have, have something for me. <laughs> Nick, you should see it to see it. I've, but seen I will it. say, and I, I've at least know one or two people who do like it. I've you, seen the happening; they're committed in asylums. But I've seen the happening. I yeah. didn't hate it. Yeah, you know what? Somebody in the, moments the other day. I saw somebody in a film group say, talk, "They're like, what are some bad movies with some really good scenes?" And they mentioned like maybe like the opening of the happening or something like that. And I was like, I was like, yeah, he can write a scene. I try to imagine the happening without Mark Wahlberg. I mean, and it I could think only... It would, would it rocket to at least like a, a 70%, I think. <laughs> Honestly, that was uh, weird casting both he and uh, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. And neither of them were great for that movie. I think they were but. popular at the, that moment yeah. in time. And they were like, oh, we have to be in this movie.
0: And uh, no. But let's circle it back to yes. uh, Cabin. So, Knock at the Cabin... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I decided I wasn't going to. We're going to spo- spoil, gonna spoil gonna this, it, by the way, right? Yeah. Yes, we are going to spoil yeah. it. You don't, and it is you, like, you have to like, although no it is
1: not a full twist movie, it's cooler if you don't know what's to come. Yeah,
0: I, I think we discovered that because Nick had not seen the second trailer. And I think enjoyed this movie more than you and I did. Yes, not that, that was, was going to happen it.
1: anyway. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I will say, like, if you don't, if you fast forward past this, we all at least somewhat liked it. I was the most skeptical, and I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, so there's so, there's something to say there. So this is a. Uh, movie based on a Paul Tremblay uh, book. Yep. He is a pretty popular writer, written a lot of horror stories. We know that there's some differences, including like maybe the ending, yeah. which is notable enough that you're going to try out the book, I think. Yep. But uh, at its heart, we have um, we have a gay couple mm-hmm. uh, and their adopted daughter. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, literally staying at a cabin in the woods when they are approached by four mater- mysterious strangers, uh, sort of led by Dave Batista, who kind of do a home invasion, uh, only they're weird once they sort of have them at their mercy, and it's, just, it's all
0: scary getting there. Yeah, they're in an isolated cabin, uh, there's no phone service, and uh, they cut the phone line.
1: Right. And it, and and, and the, the couple rightly thinks, oh, this is some sort of weird hate crime in the making, yep. but it becomes kind of quickly clear that they... David Batista and the other people did not have any intention of like going after them for those reasons, and indeed they they think they're good parents to the girl, and like that's not part of what they're doing. But they have been motivated by strange dreams and visions, which are so intense that they believe them a hundred percent, zero zero loss of faith, that the world is going to like end unless there is sort of some an, almost an appeasing sacrifice. Weirdly, like at um, Cabin in the Woods, yep. yeah. Joss Whedon's thing. Um, there
0: are less murderous unicorns in this.
1: That is true. <laughs> and also sea monsters. Let's see monsters too. I think movies for me sometimes uh they either get me in the first 5 minutes or lose me in the first 5 minutes. Sure. sure. This one it's opening scene with Dave Batista talking to the kid and sort of uh, get, uh grabbing grasshoppers. Well, there was the, something... the trailer
0: did that too. Like that's what they showed. That's what got me too. Uh,
1: and I just I had forgotten that. Uh, okay. Uh and I was really kind of won over by sort of his quiet kind of sure. he demeanor. Sh- he shows up and he looks like the kind of school teacher slash coach he is, which is to say he's like wearing like a collared shirt and looks a little bit like a teacher, even though he's also got all his tattoos and stuff. Yeah. but he's got glasses and he's like talking with her in a nice way, even though there's also kind of a stranger danger warning oh, 100%. going off. 100 percent. But, but. His name the, is Leonard the the memorable scene that was in the trailer uh, is like he he's, he's actually very kind to her and he talks about catching grasshoppers with her and then he's like how are you doing today Leonard and he's like I'm very sad he's like because yeah. of what I have to do and he's and she's like what's that and, and then and they he's like they, i
0: got to torture your two dads something like that <laughs> although this is more of a psychological torture than the, uh, than yes. a, than a physical torture that was that was one of my, my big things I really liked about it. I thought based on the trailers this was going to be them tormenting these guys for two hours, and I did not want to watch that. Yeah. Instead, it is much more uh, like like they are trying in, the, in their very firmest way to convince them you guys have to make this sacrifice. And we can't do it for you. He says it over and over again. And they
1: will inflict pain on you, only to stop you from running away. Yeah. They will yeah. shoot you in the leg. They will right. uh, crush your knee. But, but then you do want to do, do that.
0: Like, like they're they're like... They mostly they like they're trying to get them calmed down so they yeah. didn't. There's a lady who's a, what? Is she a nurse? A, nurse. a nurse? yeah. Yeah. At one point, she like does something to one of
1: them, and she like seems horrified by her own yeah. actions. And that's the kind of thing that like kind of might surprise you as you're watching this. Is like, oh, um, there was also a sequence with Rupert Grint uh, where you realize, oh, as time goes by, they're going to sort of give them sort of four opportunities, I yep. guess, to save the world. Um, the, according to the weird apocalyptic visions they've seen, and they think that if they refuse them at any given time, sort of a plague will be unleashed, uh, or you know, some some terrible a series thing, of plagues. A series of plagues. And uh, the the kidnapper type people will are willing; they kill themselves one at each at a time when if the answer is no, right. Um, and then you're like, oh, when when a Rupert Grin when it happens to him, and uh, he's looks utterly terrified. Yes. He's so yeah. scared of dying, uh, and yet he willingly sacrifices himself uh, as he... What is he? Did, does he let the other people kill him?
0: Yeah, they've got these
1: scary implements that look like Mad Max weapons. Yes. They built.
0: There's a bit, yeah, they talk about, like, they built their weapons as if they also, like, were sent visions of how to build these creepy weapons.
1: Yeah, they said that when they met for the first time, that they were all, they looked exactly as the visions showed them. They were wearing their same
0: clothes. So, I have to say, one of the choices that, that I, I don't know, I haven't read the book. I know Nick Nick's going to read the book. Uh, I, I've, I've heard people say that they like the book better than the movie. Yeah. One of the things that I kind of wish we'd gotten more. I. I feel like in order to really sell me on this plot of, like, they're going to sacrifice themselves, I would have liked... They give us all kinds of flashbacks to the couple. Mm -hmm. The couple I liked, and and I immediately was, like, connected to them and their kid... I would have liked flashbacks to what these people were once they once we knew they weren't full of it. I would have liked to see some flashbacks of no, them building their weapons and that kind well, of we thing. Well,
1: we knew they weren't full of it, but they, they needed the biggest intrigue for me was the dangling whether they had been roped into it, yeah, sort of yeah. like whether it was a psychological thing. And I think for that, you can't have seen them.
0: I guess I to me I, I feel like they they felt it, they felt like ciphers to me because like, because of oh, them really they had to be they had to be sort of mysterious a little bit.
1: I get the inclination of wanting that. I. I think it works better without, though. Yeah. I bet the book does not show you them either. Maybe I would imagine not, because I mean, like it's one possible. of the, the scene I told I you mean, about, we Randy. A little bit of we learn, but like, well, what they say. Yeah, we learn a defining factor from each one based on but, their own words, whether or not we are to believe right. that. The right. kind oh. of interesting thing is uh, like is that yes, uh, they are a gay couple, but they are very different. Yeah. One of them is like clearly like. Is there some truth to what they're saying? Well, and the other guy is F them, F this situation. Well there's a
0: very notable thing that goes when they're when they're waiting to adopt their daughter, yes. there's a picture of like Jesus dunking a basketball with all these kids. Right. And the <laughs> one of the, one of the one guy, the angry guy, turns to his par- partner and is like, Look, if you want to pray, I'm not going to make fun of you about it. And that right. is the creeping thing. one of them is a faith guy mm-hmm. and one of them is not a faith guy. Right. Yep. And and at one point what, where where they I think things
1: got for for me got interesting was when when one of them is like oh you know this all seems so unconnected he's like but wait they're like Rupert Grint dude they're like uh it was like years and years ago and he had a beer and he looked different but it was definitely him who actually was like drunk at a bar and attacked us cuz we were a gay couple yep, yep. and like hit us with a hit one of them with a beer bottle yeah and they uh and they're like oh is there any chance that he has like harbored cuz he served some time for it right yeah um and it, like, harbored this revenge fantasy and kind of roped the other people into it. And I was like, that's an interesting twist on this. Um, but then they're like, they start turning on the TV and things are happening. Um, the, the, the first of which is this, like, terrifying tsunami. Uh, that at first they show, like, there's, like, an earthquake that's, like, a sort of normal tsunami, which is true. You know, the actual things that those do is devastating. But then there's one on Then the- there's one where the wave is, like, 50 feet high. And it's, it's really real the, looking. On yeah. the west coast. And yeah. it's probably one of the most terrifying shots. Although there's the plane thing is definitely uh, yeah. creepy. Yeah. But the shot is very reminiscent of uh, the Abyss. The extended yes. cut of that. It's more like if it hadn't been stopped. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought, Shailen just can nail shots. Yeah. He has like a yeah. singular vision. And some of those things come off.
0: Extremely
1: well. There's a reason people, even though not like Signs isn't like overall a completely beloved movie, that, that they will remember. You know whether it's like that sort of shadowy image of the one alien on top of the barn roof, or the hand under the door, or the or, found footage, or, or the, the found footage at the at the birthday by. party. Yeah, it's like they people remember those
0: things. Yep. So I will say, Shyamalan's a, a really good director, but he always wants to write his own stuff, and yeah. he de- he definitely involved here, and I feel like. His storytelling is weak. He's not great at landing endings. I don't think.
1: I do think that the ending of this unravels a little bit. Yeah, and right, uh, it's not, in a way, it's it not terrible. Well, but, we talked about that. It almost could use a twist. Mm-hmm. But I, I disagree with like on most of his stuff. I actually like the twists. Sometimes, I mean, in the village, well, like, I saw coming a little bit. Right, but I think it's a good one overall. Unbreakable has a good one. Yeah. Um, I mean 6 Sense, Sense is obviously one of the big ones. Uh um uh, and then then and then I felt like I was pretty satisfied by the ending of say Split. Yeah. Um you know the stealth sequel to Unbreakable. And Glass I uh, thought was had a good satisfying ending. Yeah. Uh but um but this is, you know, um yeah, I, I sort of felt like it wasn't quite what I wanted, but I was like solidly satisfied, and it was a pretty yeah. good ride, although it, it did also occur to me after I'd watched it, I was like, it's still two hours of a gay couple being terrorized, and part of that felt pretty regressive. Mm-hmm. Even though the sympathies of the movie were clearly with them, they were supposed to be great people, yeah. uh, and, and yet it was also one of those things where I'm I feel be... like sometimes when 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 you do that, some, some filmmakers or comic writers will almost go too out of their way to make sure that they're uh, great people so that you're like, oh, you know, you don't think we're homophobic or whatever. And I thought that they showed them being real enough people that it didn't feel like cartoonish or I'm going to be interested because I know, I'm I'm fairly certain the book has the same yeah. uh, gay couple. Okay. I, yeah. I don't think that was a Shyamon diff- change up. Yeah, I was like, theoretically, I was like, you <coughs> could tell this story about any couple. They could yeah. have been a heterosexual couple. And did I just like hear something differently that's saying that this was a, a, a something that had happened before. Didn't there's they choose to say imply yeah. that like this choice they had they, occurred before prior yes, to they, this? They they said that this is there's there's some suggestion that it's a cyclical thing that it's happened before, which suggests that people have saved the world before, or maybe that some of the bad things that have happened in the world before could have been that because they people didn't until the last minute do the same. Right. You get four chances. Um but yes I think like I think that at was- some point there the the couple is talking and I think one of them says something like maybe this has been always been going on or something like that And I that. didn't rewind it at the point where uh oh, Jonathan Groff's character says he saw a person. In you the, saw. You saw. But yeah, I don't. I didn't look. To see I, I didn't look. And, I, I, and I, I, I'm actually curious to. I'm sure somebody has screenshotted it or something. Yeah. Some, did, did, what did the movie show? What did the movie show? And right I, at some point, he thought he saw something of like a vision while they were talking. I, I had a. <laughs> I was watching this with my wife, and we were like, and then, well, while that was going on, my wife started singing the the song from uh, Hamilton, the Jonathan Croft. <laughs> and I, was, uh, I couldn't help but You laugh. say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I love him. For he, people who don't, just in case you don't remember, he played the, he played King George yep, in yep. Uh, Hamilton. And if you watch the uh, kind of edgy serial killer Mind drama Mindhunter Mind Hunter on Netflix, he was the straight edge guy. Yeah, they chose yep. some really good actors uh, for this. Even though they didn't, some of them didn't get to do a lot. Uh, I, you know, I felt that they were all offered something. Uh, I love Rupert Grant. He has really shown that he is like Daniel Radcliffe more than uh, he, he ever good, was as Ron. He did a good job and. Um, Dave Batista does a good job as yeah. the ringleader who's, like, very physically intimidating but projects a lot of empathy. Yeah. You know, at one point, uh, he puts on some cartoons in the background to kind of keep the kid calm and he's like, he's like, I haven't seen this one before, but he's like, but I like the look of it. It looks like it teaches empathy. Yeah. And I, and I was the like... deconstruction of it uh, the <laughs> yeah. critique of it, I was like, oh, okay. That's yeah. A little,
0: that's a little odd, but I like... You seem like a weird alien sometimes. Is that what sure. The... <laughs> well, well you know,
1: so I think like... you do have to assume that you know, uh, they have seen visions. This is something that most people aren't experienced with. Um, they've seen visions so real that they either, that they convince them to take uh, and hold uh, a couple hostage and tell them, and I guess we haven't said uh, even quite what it was. They're like, the only thing that will stop this is if, w- if one of the three of you kills the other person. Yeah. And if you like, don't, as a we sacrifice. have to kill each other. Yeah. Basically, we are killing each other. Right. And the world will end. And the world will end. And, and so there's like this question of like, you know, even when they see the disasters, kind of rightfully, you'd be like, "This almost can't be real." Mm. You know, there's just like, well, no, your other and her husband the, was like, "This is all timed. They they knew exactly this was a pre-recorded." Right. Uh, we, we're out in the woods, and we don't know what news stories are happening in the world, right? So this could have been happening, and they just play, play back a recording to make it feel real. I, I liked some of that. Is this real? Is this yeah, not? That was the stuff that felt most Hitchcock sort of style yeah. to me, uh, as far as like, kind of like. Making you kind of doubt yourself, I like and what and and there, this is definitely a oh, "what would I do" kind of movie. I don't think this is near the top of Shyman's movie list, but I don't think it's near the bottom either. Yeah, I think it's in the middle. It's better than old. It's it's, it's it, it gets
0: a middle of the road, but recommended. Yeah, I think. I think. Definitely. I guess. Ultimately, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, but I where I where I was before I saw the movie was at a point of like I think I want to read this book, and that's kind of where I am now. I kind of want to read the book and see. If the book is a notable better because the, the teaser really got me. Like the notion of it really interested me. Yeah. And the execution of the movie what I don't know what I wanted. But it wasn't. But this wasn't exactly what I yeah, wanted. I get that. But good performances and, and an interesting movie, and I definitely would, would recommend people see it. Yep. Um, Dave, you watched Fall, which I know Nick has also seen.
1: Yeah, this is um, The Fall, I believe it was. Was it the, the fall? fall? Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure. Okay, um, I don't know. Uh, this is kind of a high concept suspense movie, arguably kind of a, like, slightly corny premise, but like played sort of to the nth degree. The movie I'm gonna compare it to is a movie that I saw years ago and I liked called, uh, Frozen. A oh. cartoon, <laughs> but a uh, comic for comic, a movie from about 2010 or somewhere around there. Oh, you were right. It's called Fall. I'm sorry. Oh. I thought it was Fall. Oh. Like the Fall is uh... the Fall's a British TV show or something. Yeah, yeah uh, right. so that is my fault. Yeah, it's it's all right. I wasn't holding you. against you. <laughs> I was. I'm taking notes. Uh, so, but now, now, Randy, this is on your head. You're going to be having to work a while to get out of this one, Randy. <laughs> no, uh, in the movie Frozen, uh, a bunch of uh, like a bunch of four or five. Maybe three or four uh, friends were, uh, go on a a ski lift and they're kind of like sneaking in, uh, at the tail end of the day. They're kind of like trying to, I forget what, it's like the park is going to be closing down or whatever. And they didn't realize that it, it's, it happens while they're on their way, uh, and nobody knows that they're in it. And the ski lift stops with them like a hundred feet over the, over the area. No way to get down. Uh, the actual cables are kind of have like a weird sharp, quality and they can't get down. uh, And they got to figure out what to do. They might freeze to death. They might fall and die. There's even wolves down below if they're lucky enough to fall and somehow survive. Um, And it's a very harrowing movie. Uh, I Actually, there's a sequence in there I've mentioned to to y'all probably. Uh, There's a sequence in there that makes me wince in a way that almost no movie ever has. Um, But uh, I think that's a pretty good movie and Fall is a little bit uh has some of that quality of putting it's a very specific focused premise. Um so it starts with three people. Uh they're climbers, uh that's a couple and uh uh so like uh boyfriend, girlfriend. Are they married, Nick? No. Uh I think In, they're fiance, if yeah, I engaged. Remember correctly. And, and then they're they're with a chick who's um uh who who's kinda like the Almost the more of the the firebrand, the energized, come on, slowpoke! The adrenaline junkie. The adrenaline junkie, there you go. And later on, we'll find out she has like a YouTube channel yep. that she does. Uh, anyway, uh, the uh, spoiler warning is, uh, no, because in the opening sequence, the husband falls to his death. And it's a pretty harrowing sequence just yep. in and of itself. Uh, the movie cuts ahead by a year, something like that. Yeah. Six months, a year. And the wife is still fraught over it. Her life is falling apart. She's drinking. Uh, her dad, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, is uh, and, trying to get her. To and the two main characters, Becky and Hunter. Becky, uh, the one who is sort of uh, depressed and all that, was the one who plays Mary Marvel from Shazam. She's also okay. been in a couple other pretty notable things. I think Annabelle Creation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's she, they're, they're they're honestly they're all good. They are. Um, um anyway, um her adrenaline junkie friend shows up, says, "Hey, I'm going to go do something for my YouTube channel. It's kind of wild. You should come with me, and it's going to get you out of this funk. Yep. It's going to get you past it." And uh, this is uh, Randy, this is where there's a, there's a story going on here that I thought was worthy. Um she has her husband's ashes but hasn't hasn't done anything with them, and it's been like months, and um she's like, "You should take the- I'm going to go climb this radio tower. It's so tall. It's like the fourth tallest structure in the United States, but it's abandoned. Okay. It's going to be taken down. It's just a dated technology or something like that. And it's out in the middle of nowhere. And it's it's just one of those, like, just, just a radio tower held down by, like, a bunch of cables on each side. Yeah. It's 2,000 2, it, feet uh, to the top. Yeah. Uh, at a certain point, they're like, uh, when they do climb it, they're like, we've now passed where the Eiffel Tower would be. Yeah. And they're, like, halfway up it. Um and she's like you can go to the top. We're going to climb it. I'll do my channel thing. You can release his ashes. It's what he would have wanted. It'll help you get past this and move to a new place in your life. And and so it begins. They she she talks her into it after some work. Um and they they go out to the tower and what begins is a movie that I literally could not watch <laughs> because I have a fear of heights and How I didn't I know you have a fear of heights. Most I, people have some level of fear of heights. I mean, I did, as except a kid. For, except for Tom Cruise. No, he just um, them, like Tom. Nick. Um, like, yeah, I like even if I were to like say if I were on a bridge and I looked over the side of it, I, I'd feel like my stomach flippy flip. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, generally, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, I can uh, I used to not even be able to like really climb ladders very much, but I got over that for a job at one point. Yeah, so I could climb ladders and things. I could go pretty high, but. Uh yeah, this is a movie that I ended up having to kind of watch while I did stuff. That's how much the, it is just constantly showing you how freaking high they are. Uh I once went, went and saw a documentary on the big screen that was about those guys who do the what do they call it? The free something climbing. Oh, free climb, yeah. Mm-hmm. Free climbing. And I, I could watch that because it was just kind of constantly changing shots, jumping to new scenes. But this is kind of sticking on them the whole time. And it's very harrowing. Yep. I'm sure tons of it was done with green screen, but it's and, shot really well. It's shot really well. Like it is flawless in that sense. When she gets to the very top and hangs off of it, oh my god! <laughs> she gets to the top, and the adrenaline junkie girl like hold it. Like there's like for a her of, YouTube channel. There's sort of a metal grill on top that's like sort of shaped like a, like an octagon or something like that, and mm-hmm. it's like big enough for like it's like a small it's like, raft. It's like four feet wide. Four feet wide. Like and so yeah she goes and hangs off it by one hand I don't like that and takes a selfie photo looking down and like not only do you like see what the selfie looks like you see the actual like camera looking down and like I've seen those crazy Russian kids who do ty- climb towers and stuff like this yep. it, it's actually something they do yeah so it's not like it's felt like ever like oh that's too much it didn't like, feel like this is Hollywood something yeah. nobody would do somebody would be stupid enough to do this Right. I know so look I let me ask you this. I had a friend who watched this that made I didn't even know about this movie. I only watched it cuz he mentioned it and I thought this premise sounds interesting. He said it was an okay movie but that he didn't ever care about them at all because they were being stupid. And I'm like I don't quite have so much contempt for fellow humans that if they Climb an abandoned thing for the sake of a movie, which I know is a slightly heightened thing anyway. That I'm like, you deserve to die. <laughs> I think I would view it as something stupid. I would never do it just because right. I don't have the drive that like to seek that uh, that next adrenaline uh, right. shot. But like I would but, say, like within this, this that they have the a skill set that they've built. Yeah. up that is generally you can survive. They've probably climbed dozens of mountains. Well, uh, yeah, and they even show that they they bring the right equipment. Uh, right. It's just this one; they've they got water, they've be... got rope, they've got all this stuff. Things happen, though. but things happen. Yeah, they're climbing up, and you see, this is a kind of a rusted thing. Yeah, it's basically been it's dilapidated. Out in the sun. No one's taken care of it. No yep. one's done upkeep on the uh, various wires and screws that have keep it stable. Yep, uh, and. Shit happens. Shit happens, yeah. Let's, let's, I, I don't want to maybe say no. too much more about what happens because I actually, but I'm going to recommend like the, this movie. But it's also a little bit of their analytical thinking of like, how do we get out of this? It's not, right. and they try a lot of things. It's, it's pretty smart. One of the, uh, uh, the very first things they tried is something that I thought of and then they, like, thought of it two seconds later. Yep. I think that the movie pretty cleverly knows what the audience might be thinking on some of that stuff. Um, And there was also some character development that occurs starting maybe about midway through that I had not expected. Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, this makes for an interesting scenario that I had not considered. Yep. Um, And then there's another reveal on top of that. And uh, it is very harrowing at times. (laughs) I agree. Like, again, I I almost literally couldn't watch for more than a few seconds at a time. Um... (laughs) Uh, it was a weird thing to watch. I feel like I've watched this movie and yet not watched this movie. Uh, if I were to watch it on the big screen, I would detonate. Um, but yes, if you have the, a little bit of that, like... If you want to watch just a raw suspense movie, I think it's pretty good. Every once in a while, a little tropey, Um But also some surprises in there, and it's got some edge to it, I feel like. Um... um Yeah, I'd I'd recommend it. They managed to, like, this movie that's, like, hour, 50 minutes, something like that. Yeah. And, like, I I did feel like they probably could have shaved a little time off it, but most of the time there's, like, actual story developments occurring that aren't just, you know, a, how are they going to get down? Sometimes there's character development occurring. It never, even though it is one location, it never felt like it was stagnant. Right. There was always movement. Yeah. And there there is also that question of sort of a which to me is like is, is so terrifying uh I guess because of the fear fights is like a what would you do thing and like even if I imagine that I was like in the crazy shape that they're in I'm like oh my god I no no I could never do that yeah <laughs> but I'm like but if it was your one shot <laughs> if you had one shot <laughs> uh, anyway um uh, it's not an amazing movie, but Nick, and you and I were talking about it, comparing it weirdly to The Shallows, a shark movie which I think with like Lively. Under, I think it's an underrated shark movie. Underrated shark movie, I agree. Uh, loses it a bit in the end. It does. But, uh, but it's like a pretty good premise, and similar to this, in that it's a survival isolation kind of yep. story, which also has some character development, s- similar concepts. Um, and so I would say, like, if you happen to have watched that movie and liked it, you're going to get something of a similar but different kind of thrill ride out of this, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and recommend The Fall. Yeah. Fall. 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 fall, fall. fall. Not the fall. Not the uh-huh. fall.
0: Fall. Uh, what else have we got, Randy? Uh, so I watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yes. Which is the Nicholas Cage playing sort of himself, although he's not married to his real-life wife, and he doesn't have his real-life kid. Right. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a, a version of uh, him. Yeah. It's uh, Earth-618, Nick Cage. I <laughs> <usually> <laughs> um, so basically he is a... Uh, He's kind of having a rough time. He's got financial he's, troubles. Just yep, thinking about retiring from acting. I think it's, it's more—it's more emotional troubles. I think emotional. I think financially, he's fine. I thought his buddy uh, Patrick. Uh, well, Neil Patrick he offers Harris. him like a crazy amount of money. He's like a million dollars to go to this dude's birthday party, and he's like—he's like—he may not have financial troubles, but a million dollars is still a million dollars, right? Yeah. And he's like—he's like after this, I'm out. I'm, a, I'm retired from acting, and he's like someone estranged from his uh, his daughter. Yep. And his ex-wife, played by Sharon Horgan, who, by the way, is amazing. Uh, if you guys have not seen her show on uh, Prime, uh, it's not called Crashing, but she, uh, maybe it is called Crashing. I don't know. I don't know. It's a show she did, she did that's just great. She's she's a British comedian. She's hilarious. Um, and so he decides to go and meet this guy, Javi, who um, is a played by Pedro Pascal. And turns out to maybe be a drug ping yep. As he is told by uh, Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish who are playing CIA agents? Yes. Who are, who are watching him. And he has kidnapped a little girl uh, to uh, to get her father to drop out of an election. Um, but there's more to it than that. Yep. And uh, basically he and Javi form this friendship and... It's uh, a kind of
1: wild bromance. And it's kind oh, of yes. a wild
0: bromance and that his 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 wife and daughter get, get dragged into it. Um... I think what I would say is the trailer for this was so good and so wacky. I was surprised how low key and straightforward the movie was. Yeah. Like like we had seen all the really cool weird bits in the trailer. Like they shouldn't have shown either they shouldn't have shown us the, either the wall sequence or the golden guns. Is, <laughs> like, they should have left one of those for the movie. And now, this is again kind of like uh, knock at the cabin where I'm knocking a movie for its trailers. Yeah. But like if you show me too much of the trailer, you can ruin a movie for me. Yeah, and and sure. I think that the the excellent trailers for Massive Talent did the job of making the movie less interesting because they showed me some of the best stuff and didn't leave. There was nothing in there that I was like, oh wow, that's a cool bit that wasn't in the trailer. Like I feel like there was I'd seen most of the really great stuff.
1: I think I really got into the relationship between Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. I it, thought they had fun. a really they, they fun. Do it, they do it well. I, yeah, I think I thought it was like. I thought the movie was going to be more of the manic
0: stuff shown in the trailer. Yeah, but it's And I was a little crowded.
1: disappointed when it was a little more normal.
0: Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what it is. I mean, when I go to see a Nicholas Cageway where he's playing himself, a version of himself, which includes... That's time to go all out. Which includes a younger version of himself talking to him. Yep. Which, that was not in the trailer. It was in credit for him for that. Um, that was pretty great. That, that I think it's going to be pretty wacky. And the rest of it is pretty low-key. I mean, it's not... It's no crazier than any other 80s action movie I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I, I can agree with that. However, I like I like that genre and that subset, and I haven't seen it in a little while. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of a nice... Uh, it felt like throwing on a warm
0: blanket. I well, mean, it was kind of I, just fun the, and the enjoyable. The ending was surprisingly heartwarming. I was yeah. like, oh, that's a good ending. Yeah. Um, um, it, I
1: don't actually want to say and spoil it, but there's a there's a really fun thing in there about a... A movie that's not yes. universally recognized. Yes, that, that is one of my favorites. Uh, that they dips. both yeah. agree is a really great movie. Yeah. It's so weird and specific that it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and I love Pedro Pascal. He's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. He, um... Uh, this is his era. This is yeah. his time. It's Pedro Pascal's world. We're just
0: living in it. Yeah. I just... When this was announced, and they showed the trailers, like, Nicolas Cage playing himself, uh, as, you know, having to go undercover with the CIA against this uh, drug dealer guy... I'm like, this looked like so much fun. Yeah. And it's kind of low key for what should have been like cocaine bear level crazy. <laughs> um, so so that's kind of where my, my disappointment was. It's not that it's a bad movie, it's a perfectly solid movie, but I wanted a bonkers movie. Yeah. And it wasn't that. I agree. I
1: agree. But um, but I think we give it a, a light recommendation. I'm not and sad I watched a recommendation. It. I'm, I, I'm glad I
0: watched it. it I solid. give it a high recommendation. Nick, we'd give it a high, Nick recommend. gives it a high I, recommendation.
1: I think it was a four star movie
0: for me. By which uh, wow. we mean Nick sounds high right now. <laughs> He's been doing the cocaine bear. <laughs> uh, Nick, you have one last movie The Fableman's. I did.
1: Uh, so I have been listening to a podcast called Screen Drafts, and they have been doing a, for this entire month, rating, uh, listing all of Steven Spielberg's movies. So I've been kind of edging towards watching a bunch of uh, Spielberg Rewatching and watching a few for the first time because I've never seen Duel, so I should watch Duel. It's not you should One hundred percent watch Duel, and we should report about it back in this. Duel is literally one of my favorite Spielberg movies. Really? Yeah. I, like I, in some ways, it was very high on their list. It. I, th- well, you know that we were just the movies we were just talking about, Nick. These focused movies like The Shallows yeah. and, the, and Fall. It is like that. Where I feel like there's actually like a lot of nuances and character bits and other things, but it's extremely focused. I think it's a tight movie that's like only like an hour and a half, hour twenty yeah, something like that. It was made for TV. Made for TV. Although I believe it was there was a possibility it was going to get a theatrical release, and it ended up being right. released but on then TV. It, but afterwards, of course, it did do a theatrical release. Right. And various um, things. And but anyway. Definitely, we should talk about. I think it's It's, really high on my list of things to watch. Suspense movie. It's it's a script by uh, Richard Matheson, um, who um, oh my god, uh, his what's his biggest thing? Did he? he did. I am Legend. He did. I am Legend. He did the Incredible Shrinking Man, which by the way, also weirdly underrated movie. It sounds campy, but it's not. Yeah, Uh, The Keep. Oh yeah, that is The the Keep.
0: keep? Yep, that is. That's
1: his book. Yeah, that is. Did he also write What Dreams May Come? I think he was actually extremely... Oh, really? uh, look it up if you don't mind. The, the yeah. Robin Williams movie? It was based on a book that I believe he wrote. Ugh, it was, I hated that movie. I, I heard the book is good, though. Okay. Like, it's his meditations on, like, life and death or something like that. So, yeah, 1978 novel by Richard Matheson. Interesting. So, okay. Uh, but all that being said, Spielberg, uh, he's been making movies for 50 years. And yeah. he definitely has made movies that are not my favorite. Yeah. Uh, But he defined the blockbusters of the 80s and even 90s with Dragon. And there's always something good in his movies, regardless of the overall. Right. He has has an extremely high level of craft. So I didn't rush out to see the Fablemans in theaters. We should Uh, say, this is a slightly loose autobiography? Yes. It is a a slightly loose uh, autobiography about him as a kid uh, and sort of his upbringing with his mom and dad and his uh, two sisters and... Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he brought... A director's always going to work out some shit. In, yeah. Like, personal stuff. You, we you talk ever... about how divorce shows up so often in his stories. It is in every movie he has ever made, <laughs> in some aspect. And there's a reason for that because his mom and dad, while they loved each other, the relationship there was very tumultuous. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of this his dad was very science background and his uh, mom was very art Focused. Yeah, she was like a composer, and uh, he worked at like IBM, and like he, he was a programmer that kind of rocketed up to various spots, and they kept moving places. Yeah, and this also deals with being Jewish and kind of mm. uh, being uh, accosted for that in oh, when it wasn't. So I was never sure how much of like a how much he was practicing or not. Because, you know, of course, there's there's a cultural side, there's a yeah. religious side. Uh, I assumed he was probably, like, maybe culturally Jewish, but not religious Jewish. But yeah, I think that kind of feels right. And, like I said, this is a very loose autobiography, so I'm not going to take it with a grain of salt. However, I have heard that the depictions of his mom and dad are pretty on p- point. Okay, uh, Michelle Williams does an amazing job as his mom. Okay. She is very kind of there, but not there in a sense mm-hmm. that she's kind of always composing music in her head, so she's always kind of, like, bobbing and weaving. And right. It's very kind of, Not like... Not really in the moment with him, maybe. Right. And, and at times, just kind of off-kilter. There's also a portrayal... Of but it sounds like he grew up with people, parents who were sort of passionate about what they did. There's a weird portrayal... Uh, Seth Rogen is in this movie. Okay. He plays uh, Paul Dano, who plays his father's, like, best friend, and a semi, you know, love interest to their mom, his okay. mom. And... Seth Rogen is playing Seth Rogen but in kind of a more taken down kind of way. It's sure. not, he's not a heightened Seth Rogen. He's like probably the normal Seth Rogen. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and he's really really good. And the kid who plays the main character is great. Uh, I liked this Spielberg, movie. Spielberg, by the way, has done some pretty good job directing kids. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, whether it's like, well they were slightly known to kids in Jurassic Park, but I would spe- say specifically E.T. But Agreed. I mean, he definitely. I mean, even like with Haley Joel Osment and AI, I hate that movie. But <laughs> Haley Joel Osment does a great job in it. Yeah. Uh, he does have a knack for kids. I mean, that scene in Jaws, uh right, right. with the uh, Scheider and the kids sort of mimicking each other. Yep. Is like one of my all-time favorite scenes in a movie. It's super good. Uh, but incidentally, if anybody goes and watches the Twilight Zone movie segment he did, he did like the one non-scary one with the old folks yep. who like, get to become young. Uh, maybe, it, maybe things just look different when you lens that with that movie with some age. But like the last time I watched it, I really liked it. Yeah. And the, the kid, if nothing else, I will say the kids were direct, were, did a great job. Didn't he also direct like episodes of Columbo? I'm, pretty... I know that, I know that when he got his start, he was, he would have been doing TV in, yeah, the late 60s or early 70s. Yeah. I know he did something called Night Gallery, which I've, yep. I might have seen some of, cause my brother would sometimes like, watch those anthologies and sometimes point them out to me as a kid, but I, I don't know that I've ever seen him. Yeah, he, he probably had, like, directed an episode. But or it was interesting or something. to see him interject things into his like, revisit things in his life. Like, there's a scene where his mother, there's a tornado that happens, mm-hmm. like, near their house, and her mother grabs him and all of his the other children, puts them in the car, and chases it. Uh, so I'm like so is this why like Twister was something that he was interested in like like weather? Yeah, that uh, makes sense. And there were just like aspects of things like the first movie he was taken to see it opens with that and it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it's just all these little tidbits of kind of who Spielberg is, and you can kind of see that refracted into the other movies he's made. Nick, uh, let me ask this. Is it Does it feel like uh, he's like kind of does it feel egotistical? Does it feel like he's puffing himself up? I don't think so. A little bit. Maybe a little bit, but it is not a flattering portrayal of his parents. Sure. And I know they've passed away. And I think this is a more true to life than what he would have ever done previous to probably this. Probably so. Yeah. I think there is no doubt that Steven Spielberg is not a e- doesn't have an ego. He is probably super ego man. Right. Uh, but I haven't like I'll say this like I don't know of him being like you know. I don't know if, like, blow-ups on the set and things like that, you know? No, no. I don't think I've ever seen, like, there's no uh, 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 Christian Bale moment. Right. Or, or uh, even the occasional Tom Cruise wackiness. Right. I think he's probably... He knows what he wants to do. He, right. He knows he can do it. Right. And uh, just let him help you do it. <laughs> right. Uh, but I know he also works with his actors, and he... I mean... All the actors he's worked with, they wouldn't have worked with him if he... I mean, Tom Hanks has done, like, four or five movies J- with him. Does he Does he get in... How, how far does this movie take him? This takes him to his, basically, his childhood to his first
0: uh, start in TV. So oh. what you're saying is men's 2.
1: <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> uh, I, I liked... Like I said, I liked but didn't love this movie. I thought yeah. there were great moments. Uh... And I think it was done really well, and I'm glad I watched it. I don't know if I'll ever revisit it. Okay. Uh, but I feel like that way with most biopics, I don't think I ever go back. Like, I don't yeah. have a desire to watch Ray again, or... Right. Uh, well, in some ways, they're almost always going to show something of a... a they're going to give you a good surface look, but they they kind of can't get too deep and for that, you'd almost have to like read, just read a bunch of books about Spielberg yeah. or fi- listen to other but, people talk about it. But I feel it. like I did learn something of the way Spielberg remembers his childhood yeah. and his love of movies. Am I going to like it, Nick? I think you might, actually. Yeah. I think his love of movies... I mean, m- movies for me growing up were an enormous deal. Yeah. I mean, we would go to the the Blockbuster or whatever local video store we had in Maryland every Saturday, and my dad would pick up, like, six or seven movies. Mm-hmm. And that was our weekend. Yeah. Uh, and it was... That carried over. I worked in a video store. My sister worked in a video store, right. so movies are kind of uh, definitely part of me. So I, I understand his... I don't have his fascination of, like, making movies. Right. But... Uh, but it connected with you as yeah, a... As it connected, a, connected with me on that. For whom movies have been a big thing. Yeah. And... I'm glad I watched it. I, I'm. I don't know if it'll win Oscars. I could see Michelle Williams like dark horsing it, but thinking, I. Uh, I hope think, Michelle yeah wins. Do you think when they get to Fableman Six, they'll, they'll go <laughs> on, uh, on Ready Player
0: One? I want to talk to you about the Fableman's Initiative. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Judd Hirsch does show up in this as well, which I am always a fan this of Judd a Hirsch. Good actor. Uh, but yeah, it was good. I'm sure it'll come on streaming soon. Yeah, I'll, I'll get. I'll probably give it a look. No. Spielberg uh, looms large over my childhood. Uh, Jaws, Close Encounters, E.T., plus him like producing things like uh, Gremlins mm-hmm. and Twilight Zone, and and and, and just he had a like, huge connection with Joe, Joe Dante and yeah, all of those guys. And Joe Dante, his kind of fascination with like this is a very kind of a white thing, but like that sort of white suburbia mm-hmm. sort of little slice. At least the people in those movies almost inevitably were more well off than I was as a kid. A yeah. little bit. But, like, it's it, it's kind of in the ballpark of my childhood. And so, like, uh, and, and, and I, I was lucky enough to kind of grow up during Spielberg's heyday. So, yeah, that was um, a fascination. With. I would revisit some of the ones. Like, I don't think I watched Close Encounters as a kid. I watched E.T., of course. Yes. And E.T. scared the hell out of me. E.T. has scary scenes and it, it. does. It, it does. You it know, is. More... Where he's, like, staying up late and he's out in the backyard is, is scary. But aren't <laughs> there, like, his brother and them, like, playing D&D? Uh, and yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was one of those, just like, it felt like my childhood in a lot yeah. of ways. Because my brother would be doing that, and I wouldn't be allowed to play. <laughs> yep, yep, same Z's uh, Oh, by the way, the, the scariest scene in E.T., though, is uh, at the end where, like, scientists come into the yeah, house. Yeah, the And they're like, ah, yeah, it's, it's a But, lot. I mean, Indiana Jones, that was, like, a huge thing for, sure. for and But Close Encounters and Jaws, uh, in my, like... Early teens, uh, even though Jaws, I think, still scared me. Uh, and, and, and the water, uh, being out right. in like the ocean and stuff. Yep. Uh, Jaws is probably my at, in my top three movies of all time. Would you take it over uh, Jurassic Park? Yes. Okay. Ultimately, I love you're a bit more you're more of a '90s kid than me and Randy. Um, but uh, and, and a, he that's his movie that loomed probably largest over the '90s, uh, other than like a serious movie like say Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I love Jurassic Park. It is one of the most fun times I have at movies. But Jaws, she's a better movie. It's a better movie. I love the characters in Jaws, where they yeah. have like depth and weight, mm-hmm. where Jurassic Park is a little surface, a little bit, yeah, uh, but for a reason. But. There are no Quint or uh There's no Brody. scene of the mayor saying, it's uh, like, if you think <laughs> I'm going to cut that shark open and have that little Timmy boy spill out all over the deck. Well, also, it's like... <laughs> government in a nutshell. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's a little bit of a capitalism in a nutshell there. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a perfect movie. We're not going to close that on 4th of July. God, no. I would do
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a little kid. Regulations are for losers. Um, <laughs> right. Spielberg made a lot of movies in the 80s. It's, it's, movies were uh, definitely showing us things that we didn't recognize until we were much older. Oh, that was bad. Yep. <laughs> and
1: I also want to revisit Close Encounters after listening people talk about it. I remember you know, watching... You nothing
0: it, else, Close Encounters is a slightly
1: weird mixture of scenes, but there's like... Like, all the scenes I think are compelling. I don't know if they all fit together perfectly. Uh, I, can, I can kind of remove myself from my nostalgia and say it's a... Like, there's some scenes that are very utopian and dreamlike, and there's some scenes of... Breaking down suburban life and broken marriages. I was going to say the marriage between Dreyfus and Terry But Gar, it's, it's a quieter movie. It is. It is. Although, like the stuff of them, like, like kind of like chasing and watching UFOs early on, that loomed larger over my childhood than almost anything else. I like just my, remember the like, trucks. The they were in a truck, right? Like Richard Dreyfus, yeah, and then it starts the, shaking. Yeah, when they're at the at the uh, railroad crossing. That's in my head. That scene is in my head, yeah. and it lives there. Uh, and of course the kid with the door open. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's scary yeah. <laughs> Spielberg, I saw this article that said he wants to maybe return to some horror or horror-adjacent stuff, and I was like, that, that'd
0: that be good. I would love for I'd him to do it. it. Yeah. Anything right. else? Uh, no, I think that'll wrap it up for the week. Uh, we'll be back next week with more, and until that time, Yo, show. RogueCast is a weekly podcast broadcast from Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. You can find us online on Facebook and at www.roguesgallerytx.com and email us comments or questions at roguesgallerytx at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.